Welcome to Trip Talk. I'm Jennifer Napier Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. Today on Trip Talk, we're talking about how to provide health coverage for the thousands of Utahns living in poverty without health insurance. Fully expanding Medicaid is one option, partially expanding that federal program is another, and still another is one being pushed by House Republicans who want to create a program that is state-run. Joining me on the Google Hangout to talk about this range of options is former Lieutenant Governor Greg Bell. He's now president of the Utah Hospital Association, and he joins us here in the Tribune newsroom. And uh, Greg Bell, thank you so much for your time today. Great to be here. Also with us uh, in the newsroom, Lincoln Naring. He is senior policy analyst with Voices for Utah Children, which is a child advocacy group based here in Salt Lake City. Lincoln, um, thank you for your time as well. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. And Tribune Health reporter Kirsten Stewart is also with us in the newsroom. Kirsten, great to have you back. Thanks. And you can join our conversation today if you've got questions or comments about Medicaid and whether Utah should take federal dollars or create its own program to cover the poor. You can send them to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+. You can put them in the comment section of our page here at sltrib.com. Or we've got this new feature. You can text your thoughts. Text your thoughts to this number, 801 609 8059. Again, that's 801 609 8059. Um, Kristen, I'll start with you with some basic definitions for the uninitiated. What is Medicaid? Well, Medicaid, not to be confused with Medicare, is a program for the uh, low in a health insurance program for the low income and disabled predominantly. Um, it's one of two paths, really, under the Affordable Care Act to provide coverage to the uninsured. Uh, there are about 400,000 uninsured men, women, and children in Utah. And the Affordable Care Act proposes uh, covering virtually all of them, either through Medicaid or through private coverage, which you'd purchased uh, subsidized private co coverage, which you can get on healthcare.gov, which is the online insurance marketplace. Um, and Medicaid currently covers about 250,000 Utahns. And the ACA, or the Affordable Care Act, would add about another 123,000 to the rolls. Um, and it does this, interestingly, not by making people with higher incomes eligible, but by streamlining, streamlining eligibility rules so that they're based solely on income. So currently in Utah to get on Medicaid, you have to be poor and something else. You have to be poor and a child, or poor and a pregnant mother, or poor and disabled. Um, under the Affordable Care Act, it proposes stretching Medicaid to cover all uh, Utahns under 138% of federal poverty, or all legal residents, I should say. Um, that's just about $15,000 a year uh, for a single person and just over $31,000 for a family of four, someone earning that much. Um, but the Supreme Court, as many know, uh, up when they upheld the law, uh, determined the Medicaid option to be uh, optional for states, and that really has ignited kind of a, a fierce and largely partisan uh, debate over this single provision of the law across the country. And that's why we're talking about this expansion idea. The Affordable Care Act is supposed to cover everyone, but with a Medicaid expansion, it is optional for states right now. Um, so I, I guess Utah is one of six states that's considering an option or various options. Um, House leadership, House Republicans, uh, have put forth a, a, a plan that is state-run. It's not Medicaid. What are some of the details of that plan, Kristen? Well, I think from the very beginning, Utah lawmakers have been really concerned about how to fund this expansion. Um, 
you know, the feds have promised to pick up most of the tab, 100% for the first three years, and then um, declining amounts thereafter, but no less, never less than 90% of the newly eligible population. But even so, Utah's share of the costs, I think, uh, by 2020, are about $260 million. That also includes the cost, I think, of covering people who are currently eligible who haven't enrolled and who are likely to enroll because of the insurance mandate in the Affordable Care Act. But um, much of that money is offset with federal dollars, right? And, and so a PCG report that came out actually said that, you know, when all is said and done by 2020, because of all those offsets, Utah actually, Medicaid, expanding Medicaid is actually a money maker for the state. It would net us about $131 million by 2020. Um, but, you know, the national deficit has conservatives very, you know, worried about whether or not the feds can live up to that promise, right, to fund Medicaid. And so um, states have sort of been casting about for different alternatives, um, looking for, I guess, kind of that policy sweet spot that would allow them to keep Medicaid growth in check while also drawing down as much, much of the federal funding, the promised federal funding that they can. Um, so Utah, a task force studied this for over a year and came up with several different options. One is just to do nothing and leave eligibility rules as they are. Um, two others have to do with using the public, the federal public Medicaid dollars to bribe private coverage for these low-income Utahns. Um, there's some sort of nuances with those that maybe the other speakers could kind of address. But then the speaker came in at the beginning of the legislative session and kind of drew a line in the sand and said, she was, would reject any Medicaid expansion plan that drew on federal dollars. And she is instead pitching a $35 million state plan um, that would, people are arguing, offer leaner coverage to fewer people and that um, in the end would cost a lot more because it means foregoing 500 to 600 million dollars annually in federal funds. Um, Herbert, Gover Utah Governor Gary Herbert has called it um, illogical and the Senate hasn't really weighed in, but it is it's sort of interesting. I mean, we're seeing sort of this, these battle lines being drawn in a lot of states, but Utah happens to be a state where you've got a Republican House Speaker side of, kind of up against a, a Republican governor, and um, the backdrop, you know, for all of this is that the Speaker is rumored to be running against Governor Herbert in the 2016 election. Mm -hmm. uh, lots going on. Uh, there's a political angle to it, but we're really focused on the policy angle th uh, today. We're talking about the expansion of Medicaid, uh, alternatives to that plan. What will Utah do to cover its uninsured? And again, if you want to chime in on this conversation, you can send your thoughts to the hashtag TripTalk on Twitter and Google+. Put them at sltrib.com, or you can text us at 801 8059. Um, I, I guess of the menu of options that are on the table, uh, what option do you prefer and why? I'll start with you. Greg Bell? Well, I just need to lay two pieces of foundation first. Number one, <clears throat> this is an anomaly. Medicaid is a partnership program between the feds and the state. The feds send a lot of money and they send a lot of rules. So we've operated Medicaid in this, con in this state for about 40 years. We typically have had about 250,000 people on Medicaid. An important fact is that during the depth of the recession, that swelled to about 360,000 people. It's now down to 250,000. As people get jobs, they cycle out of Medicaid. Most people don't want to be poor. This is a safety net program. So I think people really need to understand that's what it is. 100,000 people have been shed from the rolls, if you will, as they've moved into private employment and apparently gotten other insurance. 
The other fact is that it's an anomaly of the Affordable Care Act as construed by the federal government in NFIB versus Sebelius, which delinked Medicaid below 100% from participation in the Affordable Care Act for states. That's why it's a political issue. Everybody over 100% of poverty can go to the federal exchange and buy heavily subsidized insurance up to 250% of income. Unfortunately, people below 100% of poverty were always thought, the drafters of the ACA always thought, these people will be in Medicaid. They have to be as part of the ACA. But the Supreme Court delinked that. So that's why we're in the, quote, little soup we're in. Mm. And so this, this area of what we call the donut hole is exactly that. It's about 50 to 60,000 people who previously have not qualified for Medicaid, currently do not qualify for Medicaid under Utah state law, and they're barred, ironically, from going to the exchange. So I just wanted to explain that. So how do we cover, how do we cover these 50, 60,000 people? Now bear in mind, I repeat your words, these are people who are very, very poor. Are there some ski bums here? Maybe. Uh, are there some welfare queens? Maybe. But by and large, these people are employed, they're productive, and they're trying to get a hand up. They're, they're really trying to work and support themselves. The House proposal would bolster two programs. One would be the Utah Premium Partnership. Now, that is a good idea, but it's heavily regulated by federal law. So the uptake on that has only been so far 170 adults and about 250 children. So over the last, Lincoln, I don't recall when it started, but what, five, and six years? It's even older than that. It's about 10 years old. But the real challenge is these individuals don't have an offer of an employer-sponsored coverage. So UP is only available to individuals who have an offer of employer-sponsored to plan to purchase. But if that plan doesn't exist, uh, UP isn't available to these, these individuals. And most of these families have part-time jobs or low-income low employees, and there's just no plan for them to purchase using the UP program. Yeah, so the idea is if they work for Walmart or somebody who does offer a plan, that they'll put forward what wherewithal they have, and the state will subsidize that with a premium partnership. makes a lot of sense when you think about it, because that keeps the employer dollars in our health insurance market. So that's the one leg of uh, what the House proposal is. The other one is expanding, um, and, and Lincoln, why don't you take this one? Well, the, the other option that the House is looking at is, well, they're looking at really two other legs of this stool, but one is Utah has a primary care network program, which offers a very limited, as the name suggests, benefit that is aimed at delivering primary care to low-income adults. And, and that's a good program, but it doesn't provide... Uh, hospital care, inpatient hospital care, or specialty care. It's really targeted at just those primary care services. And um, that program currently has a cap and of about uh, 20,000 people or about 17,000 adults enrolled in, in it right now. Um, so it's not large enough currently uh, to accommodate all the individuals that, that really need uh, health care coverage and it doesn't provide mm -hmm. a, a full benefit. It doesn't cover all the, the benefits that the, those, those individuals need. Uh, but the speaker's plan looks at building on the primary care network, letting more individuals in, uh, at least to help 
help us provide primary care uh, to that population. Is so. I, I guess my question is: Is the speaker's plan sustainable? Is it a fix that can go on for um, longer than presumably the federal Medicaid program to, could? Um, Lincoln. In my opinion, no. It. We have some serious health care needs uh, pent up with these individuals that go beyond just providing primary care. And um, while I'm encouraged that the speaker is willing to uh, put forth $35 million uh, to helping uh, provide care to these individuals, it's nowhere near uh, the investment that the state needs to make uh, to make sure that these families are getting the care that they need and the financial protection that health care coverage provides. Um, so it's it's a small step forward, but uh, without accepting those federal dollars, I, I don't see how the state of Utah has the resources uh, to meet the health care needs of this population. Hmm. Greg Bell, is that your assessment as well? Well, <clears throat> you know, I, I suppose you could get a waiver from the federal government with uh, the premium partnership program. I suppose uh, that could be expanded. I suppose PCN could be expanded beyond primary care to hospital program. But here's the fiscal question. Both of these programs, the UPP up and PCN, have been funded 70-30 by federal dollars, 70 by federal, 30 by state dollars. If we were to expand Medicaid just in this space, we would at least get 70 30. So I guess I have a hard time, you know what I'm saying, seeing the virtue of these programs if it's still a 70-30 match. Uh, it may feel better. It may You can maybe name it something different. But if the point is to avoid a federal subsidy, I don't see the distinction. Lincoln, your group, uh, Voices for Utah Children, recently analyzed just where these people are, the people who are going to fall in that donut hole. Um, and you found that if it affects residents across the state. This is not just an urban problem. This is not just a, a refugee problem. It affects pretty much every district in the state. Can you uh, elaborate on that? Right. So I, I think there's a perception that poor people often just live in the urban counties, that uh, poor families are concentrated in certain areas of the state, uh, but the reality is uh, families across the state in every legislative district uh, are struggling with health care coverage, uh, and many of these families are falling in this, this coverage gap that we're talking about, and they don't have any option unless the state figures out this Medicaid expansion issue. Um, so it doesn't matter if you live in St. George or Richfield or Salt Lake. Uh, there are you have neighbors that are that are struggling with this right now. Um, Utah, as we mentioned, is one of six states that has not decided to expand Medicaid, at least not yet. Um, the debate used to center on whether Utah lawmakers should do anything about Medicaid, and as Kirsten mentioned, um, you know the do nothing is still out there. But it does seem like the, the dialogue has moved a, a bit beyond that, for the most part, um, to, to the other options. I mean, is that a fair assessment, Greg Bell? Are we talking about do nothing as a, a truly a viable option at this point? No, I don't hear anyone talking about that, Jennifer. I think <clears throat> the real decision is uh, do you expand Medicaid, traditional Medicaid, 
across the 100% poverty level to everyone below 100% poverty. That's that's the issue. Or is there some innovative program such as uh, put forward by the House that we could think about? I mean, the UPP has some potential if it were to broaden its uh, criteria, but it's, it's very, very restrictive right now. PCN has some potential if it had richer coverage. But here's another factor. Number one, um, we're stepping over a 100% match, as Kirsten so well laid out in the prologue here, that if we were to uh, uptake the, the entire offer of the federal government, we would get a 100% match till 2016, and then it would um, gra gradually ratchet down to 90. So in order to step over those federal dollars, you have to think, wow, what are we doing here? What principle is it? Well, under the ACA, it's been computed that Utah will send at least $600 million a year to Washington in ACA-specific related taxes. Why is that not worthwhile for Utah to retain a couple of hundred million of our own revenue that we're generating? So, you know, I don't get the conservative argument here. Hmm. Speaking with former Lieutenant Governor Greg Bell, he is now president of the Utah Hospital Association. Also with us, Lincoln Nearing with Voices for Utah Children and Tribune health reporter Kirsten Stewart. We invite you to join us with your thoughts on Medicaid and whether or not to expand it, what you think about the House plan that's being proposed by Speaker Becky Lockhart. You can send your thoughts to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+. You can put them in the comments section at sltrib.com or you can text us to this number, 801-609-8059. Um, let's get to a few comments. M. Hodger says, Medicaid expansion is certainly a no-brainer. Uh, Magistrate 90 says, all the data and analysis show that Medicaid expansion is a good deal for the state, the uninsured, and hospitals, and the federal government has shown itself to be a strong partner to states through tough economic times. Uh, these are tax dollars that Utah citizens have already paid and deserve to get them back. Um, this from Salty Cat. Governor Herbert has an opportunity to help thousands of Utahns by expanding Medicaid. Please consider helping these people and accept federal money for this program. Whose decision is it exactly? Who will decide ultimately? Um, Kirsten Stewart, is it the governor? Is it is it the House or, or the legislature as a whole? Well, I think no matter how you look at it, it's got it's to be both. But um, sort of the finer point to that is, so the Affordable Care Act basically gave governors the, you know, made them the deciders. They get to decide. But, you know, I think Governor Herbert always recognized that, you know, whatever he decides is going to need require funding, extra funding from the legislature, and it's the legislature that holds the purse strings. And so he's got to have buy-in from them. But then um, additionally, Utah passed a law uh, requiring, actually, legislative uh, buy-in. And so you've got a situation where, you know, you've, you've got that extra carve out. I don't know how, you know, if someone took that to court, you know, under the supremacy clause, actually, if that would prevail, you know, it would prevail the federal law or the, or the state, but I, I don't know who would ever bring that lawsuit. So I think bottom line, I think Governor Herbert recognizes he's got to have legislative buy-in. Uh, uh, Greg Bell, you were until very recently part of the Herbert administration. I'm just wondering, um, given the comments that the governor made last week, that he, he said the House plan is basically illogical, um, it doesn't pencil out, uh, what does this say to you, where he's coming down? Do you think he would uh, actually veto uh, the House plan if it is passed? What, where, what is his thinking on this issue? I ain't going there. 
Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, he'll he'll certainly speak for himself. He's he's taken the tack of letting the legislature lead out. I mean, it's uh, some people want him just to take a very hard, cut and dried position, and that would certainly be easy. But on the other hand, he's got to. People have to realize that in politics, especially with the House apparently running for governor in 2016, that the legislature has to discover their own way here. And so I think he's let them do that. And uh, I mean, give the House credit. They've really worked on this. They've not just shut it down. Never before, ever, have we had a serious conversation about ensuring everybody under 100% of poverty. These people in the donut hole have never had coverage and it's not seriously been considered. So it's good news that we're talking about it. And the House has come up with some pretty innovative proposals. So I, I don't want to step on these and say they're, they're no-goes. The federal government does not like PCM. They, they just The way it's been rolled out and used in the last 15 years, they don't like it. It's Medicaid light. Uh, Governor Levitt intended it to be for well persons to just have primary care, get a doctor and four prescriptions, you know. It, it wasn't meant to be hospital care. So. So that's the question whether that can be expanded. Another thing you have to think about, Jennifer, is that doctors, uh, most doctors won't take Medicaid. It's a very low reimbursement rate. So it's more trouble than it's worth. They can be audited. It's not very much recovery. It's just, it's a hassle. So if you just loose a whole bunch of people on Medicaid or PCM into that market, where are they going to get a doctor? We have to think about that. Hmm. Hmm. I, I, I guess the the big question too is, as you mentioned, Greg Bell. I mean, this hasn't really been um, a topic of serious conversation ever before. So, for for whether it's through the state or through expanding Medicaid, I mean, this does affect a very small number of Utahns when you put it in the big picture. Why should those of us with health insurance care about this issue at all? Why are we even talking about it? Lincoln? Well, I think it's important to know that, to recognize that these 60,000 people just aren't, you know, these, these, I guess, electrons floating aimlessly in the universe. They're attached to larger molecules. I mean, they're, they're attached to families. They're our neighbors. Uh, these are people in our community. And we do better when our entire community is healthy and financially secure. There's been a lot of talk the last couple of years about uh, intergenerational poverty, the, the, the problem of uh, families just being stuck in poverty generation after generation. And one of, the, one of the problems there that keeps families stuck is the lack of ability to uh, have some financial stability. And one of the great ways to provide families financial stability is making sure that they have good health care coverage, that health events uh, don't bankrupt uh, families or, uh, I guess, divest them of any uh, financial security that they've been able to build over the years. Hmm. Um, so this, this can go a long way to uh, making sure that our entire community is built on a, a stronger foundation. Take, take, take an example, if I might, Jennifer. Think about a government-run hospital. Under federal law, the EMTALA law, the hospital has to stabilize medically any person who presents himself or herself. 
So if someone in a diabetic shock or coma or with a heart attack who has no insurance presents at the emergency room, the emergency room will receive them, treat them, and if that eventuates in a uh, $300,000 bill in the ICU, so be it. They have to do that. Well, they don't have a piggy bank to pay that out of. Where do they get that? They get that from private payers, your insurance company and my insurance company. So we ultimately pay that bill. And so there's the humanitarian argument, which uh, Lincoln just talked about. There's also the fiscal argument, the selfish argument that government hospitals, other hospitals are writing off hundreds, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of millions of dollars yearly to pay for people who are treated for essentially primary care in an emergency room environment. Uh, let's get some more comments. Johnny Deep writes, since Utah already gets $107 back for every federal paid uh, in federal taxes, this whole thing stinks of political grandstanding at the complete cost of those who actually need it. Um, Charles Glazer writes, uh, the alternative to free money, actual money we've already paid into, is a state-run system that will not expand Medicaid for all, but only for 54,000. In the end, we will pay more for less people. Um, we're running short on time, but I'm, obviously, Greg, you're not going to venture into what the governor would think, but uh, as a former member of the legislature, uh, have, have your former Senate colleagues been talking about this um, in a way that's a little different from the House side? There's a significant movement in the legislature, some in the House, uh, some in the Senate, who feel like the best, surest road is to just fight the bullet, expand Medicaid up to 100% of federal poverty, go to the federal government. The federal government wants it expanded to 38% and say, look, we're the reddest of states. We expanded. Everybody over 100% can go to the exchange. We filled the policy of the Affordable Care Act. Give us the 100% match under 100% of, of poverty, and let's watch it for three years. I think we can do that. Hmm. Uh, does that sort of echo what you've been hearing, Lincoln, on the Hill? I, I think so. I mean, logic sometimes goes out the window this time of the session and a lot of it becomes <laughs> political but I, I find logic reintroduces itself in the last week of set of the session or so and and most of the, our legislators really are looking for good policy and uh, ultimately I think something as Greg outlined is is good policy so I, I hope we'll we'll fall back there by the time the session wraps up Hmm. Kirsten, is there a deadline? When do they actually have to decide? When does Utah have to, to, to stake its claim in this, um, in terms of getting Obamacare money? I, I don't think there is a deadline. I mean, um, I know that for every month that, you know, we wait past January 1st to make this decision, we lose $4 million uh, in federal funding. And so, um, you know, arguably whatever deadline there was has already passed. But yeah, there is no firm deadline under the law about whether or not to expand, to make to make the decision over Medicaid. If only there were. Okay. <laughs> Kristen Stewart, Greg Bell, Lincoln Nearing, thank you very much for the time and I appreciate all your help. Thanks to you, Jennifer. Thank you. And again, you can find a full legislative coverage on our website, sltrib.com. I'm Jennifer Napier Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. Thanks for joining us for Trib Talk today. We'll see you next time.